Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. When I started to go to college, I had big plans for something very simple. I wanted to grow my hair out. I was 18. I was moving 180 miles away from my parents. I didn't have to live under their house anymore. And I decided that I was going to go from wearing a flat top to growing out my hair as long as I possibly could. And I did. I even got an earring. Grew my beard out, grew my hair out. And as soon as I came home from my first year of college, I was sitting downstairs and my dad came down and he looked at my long hair and my beard and my earring. But he was standing above me and he looked at me and he said, son, you are going bald. You have male pattern baldness. He was a pharmacist. He knew all about this. And down the tubes went my plans for long, luscious hair. It's much easier today. We are always making plans for the future. Plans for retirement, plans for trips, plans for our family, plans on purchasing things, plans for what we're going to eat today, what we will drink or what we will wear. And look at today. We're even making plans for our church that you will all get to decide on in just a little bit. These plans are not wrong in and of themselves. Remember that saying that annoyed you so much? Proper prior planning prevents poor performance. But with all of this planning, it gives us an orientation, a fixation on the things, the stuff of the world. And this fixation can lead to worry. It can, worry, it can lead to anxiety about the future and regrets about the past. And maybe it even leads to anger. We have shapeless fears of the unknown and uncertain things. We like to predict the future as maybe rosy and bright, or maybe we're pessimists and we think it's full of darkness and decay. That's all because we love worthless things. And with all of that, we begin to hate others, we begin to hold grudges, and we begin to resent what other people have around us. We don't respect each other's opinions. We look longfully and lustfully at what God has not given to us. And above all else, even though we pray each and every Sunday and hopefully each and every day, give us this day our daily bread, and we say that we know that God will provide all things, we still worry and we fret. We worry and fret that it won't be enough or it won't be good enough. And so we pray half-heartedly. We spend more energy on getting stuff done or just getting more stuff and saving and hoarding rather than giving away to others or even to those who are in need, like charities. We harbor hatred and hold grudges against each other, even for people who have done sins in their community and society, sins that even haven't been done against you. We hold people in judgment and contempt. It doesn't matter if it was a sin against you or not. We hold on to that sin more than our own need of our own confession and need for absolution. We fret over stock prices, interest rates, bank accounts, mortgages, projects, and sporting statistics, more so than we do about hearing the word of God on a daily basis, 
more so than praying to God, who is the author and sustainer of all things. And we do all of this. We take delight in all of these things and worry about these things because we're, just, we're convinced that despite our church attendance, that this is really all there is. Doesn't it seem like Jesus just doesn't care? Jesus isn't listening. Doesn't it seem like Jesus isn't going to really return? At least if he's going to, it's not going to be anytime soon. Such thoughts, though, do not lead us to live really a carefree life. They lead to a life full of worry, of doubt and fear. We become anxious and restless and troubled by change. Changes that we cannot control in our life. Haven't we seen that over the last 14 months? Who could change what we've experienced? Changes in the White House and the Congress, changes in our communities, changes in the church and what we might do in our future and what it might or might not entail. There is so much that we cannot change or control that it leads us to sin even more in attempting to control things and people around us. This is why our focus today with everything that's before us is simple. Christ is ascended. He's ascended indeed. Hallelujah. I'll say it again. I caught you there, didn't I? Christ is ascended. He's ascended indeed. Hallelujah. But we really don't think much about the ascension. Normally it happens on a Thursday night. It's kind of confusing. Jesus goes up into the sky behind a cloud. He vanishes. It seems like he's not around. He's not really present. Even though he says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. Jesus can't really know what's going on in my life. He can't really know what's going on in our world and our community. Even though he says to us, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. The ascension shows the plan that God has established for your future. And it has nothing to do with your proper prior planning. It's all about what God has done for you. Our future, our hope, our real delight is not in the homes that we build, the gadgets that we purchase, the wine we drink, the money we make, the teams we root for, or the projects or programs that we plan or don't plan on here at the church. It doesn't even matter about your legacy that you will leave. Our future, our hope, our plan established by God is this, where Christ is gone, you shall go as well. Did you hear that? Let's cut to the chase and see what today is all about. Where Christ has gone, you shall go as well. The Son of God took on our human flesh, two eyes, two ears, a nose, a mouth, hand, feet, toes, everything. But now he has ascended into heaven. This is the amazing reality of having faith in Jesus. It's not as if Jesus is way up there and we're down here looking around like little meddlings. Every part of Jesus' life is your life now. So Jesus came down from heaven and was conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. And so he was born. And in Jesus' conception and birth, you were conceived and born. When he was born, you were born. When he was baptized, you were baptized. 
When he prayed and fasted, so did you with him. When he went to Jerusalem, he took you with him into Gethsemane. When he had nails driven into his flesh, you did as well. When he laid into the tomb dead, so did you. And when he came out alive again, so did you. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And so have you. That's you right there. This is what it means to believe and cling to Christ. It, what it mean, it's what it means to be the body of Christ as a congregation. And now he ascends through the clouds into heaven and is welcomed at the right hand of the Father by faith. You as well take your seat with him. For it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. All that he is, all that he has is yours. We are brothers and sisters in the flesh and blood and no one can ever separate us from that, and no one can ever separate us or sever us from our brother in human flesh and blood who has ascended into heaven. In your baptism, in your rebirth and renewal by the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit, you were united with him in his death and his resurrection and his ascension. Still today, he gives you his body and blood here at this altar. When you come into communion with him, it's not just a spiritual Jesus, but with the God-man, flesh and blood Jesus, who took on our human nature, but took it into the heavenly places, but yet also comes freely for you today to forgive you and strengthen you and to show you what his plan is for you that you would be with him forever. Everything for us today, no matter what we decide upon, what we face tomorrow or next week or next month, everything for you is planned out by the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in your midst today by the hearing and receiving of Jesus. The kingdom of God today breaks into our restless lives and our anxious hearts when we hear him simply speak. Your sins are forgiven. Every last one of them that you've done to each other, that you've done to people in the community, that you yourself have done to yourself, they are gone and they are forgiven. And then we hear again this same Jesus who forgives you and feeds you, he will come again. When will this happen? I don't know. Can we plan for it? Not really. It's not for us to know the times or the seasons. This Lord Jesus, whom the holy apostles saw ascending up into the heavens, will return in the same manner, and we are called to live in the joyous expectation and longing for Jesus so that he would come soon. We are called to watch, for we do not know the day or the hour. And so this moment and every moment, there is only one thing that truly matters what the apostles went out to go and preach, repentance and forgiveness of sins for all. You, me, and everyone else that we hopefully and expectingly welcome into this place who have not yet been here. That is what the church is all about. That is what everything we decide upon and talk about, every little thing that we pray about is all about. 
the first apostles were commissioned to preach in every corner of the world. Think about it. It started in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, which is littered with bombs and missiles right now. And it has made its way here in the 21st century to Little Rock, Arkansas, at this little patch of God's kingdom. It has made it across oceans and centuries so that people more and more could share in this great and joyous hope. People who are here today, people who have gone before us in the faith, who are now at rest from their labors, all of us share in the same hope and joy of worshiping God who is in Christ Jesus, who has loved us and has forgiven us, and knowing that all of that, he has everything planned out for you and for me and for this place. His will will be done whether you like it or not, because his will is always the perfect will of God. None of this means that your life for now will be happy and joyous all the time and without crosses to bear. And it also doesn't mean that your life is without meaning or somehow worthless. If God in Christ took on our human nature and was born in our human nature, suffered in our human nature, died in our human nature, and was buried in our human nature, and rose again in our human nature, and ascended into heaven in our human nature, then our human nature, our bodies, even though they are frail, weak, dying and diseased, even though I don't have the hair I longed for, nevertheless, God sees you as the apple of his eye. You are valued. You are loved by God because you are destined to eternal life in Christ Jesus. And not only that, you are destined to be reunited with all of the faithful who have gone on before you, to see them in their resurrected and ascended bodies in the flesh, never to die, all tears wiped away. Who doesn't want that kingdom to come? Your life now matters, for you and I can truly live as free people, not in the pursuit of things that are passing away, but a life of joy and worship and peace and confidence of doing good to your neighbor and immersing yourself in the word of God. You can live this life of joy in Christ because there is nothing that you have to fear that Christ has not already conquered. As we heard him say last week, take heart, I have overcome the world. There is nothing you have to accomplish that Christ has not already accomplished. You have nothing to lose because Christ has already lost it all, losing his life for you and receiving it again from the dead on the third day. So let that be our motivation as a church and as a people out there with people who so desperately need that message and you to be a people of mercy and love and forgiveness so that we may go out as Christ in us, working for us and through us for the benefit of others, especially as we move forward, no matter what we decide upon today in just a few minutes. Christ has died, and in him we have died to death. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And in him you live. 
Christ has ascended, and so also shall we ascend into the kingdom of God, God, body and soul. So even though we don't know what our earthly plans hold for us, we live in joy, we live in hope, we live without fear, not just because we've decided today we're going to be a little optimistic and have a cheerful attitude. We live in this heavenly joy and hope and confidence because Jesus has reopened the way to paradise. He has removed the threat of judgment against you for your sins because he has destroyed death and has promised his return. He has promised the resurrection of our bodies and the life of the kingdom of God waiting for you. So rest in Jesus. In him you have peace. In Jesus, our ascended Lord, everything is planned out. Everything that we need now and forever. Christ has ascended. He has ascended indeed. Alleluia. And so shall you. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.